drifting is this state that uh, kind of you're meandering through life in this hypnotic rhythm. The way to take back command of your life is you first need an awakening. And I distinguish awakening from awareness in that awakening means you are ready to take action. I was born with several falls. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up, use their voice, and make an impact in this world. Hey, y'all. Welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host. And this show is for unconventional leaders. We want to celebrate those who are stepping outside of the box, making a difference in this world, who have come from unconventional backgrounds, who are leading in unconventional ways. It is those ruckus makers, man, that make the biggest dent in this world and change culture and make history. Today is no exception, man. We're talking to a couple of really unconventional leaders. I sat down with the founders of Do Inner Work, Dominique Cartuccio and Brian Stacy, about spiritual awakening, inner work for men, and overcoming sexual addiction. Now, I want to preference this that if you are riding in the car with a couple of kiddos, there's a couple of sensitive things that we talk about in this episode, but it's things we need to talk about as leaders because this is the real stuff. This is the stuff that we avoid talking about. You know, I grew up in super religion where we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about the questions and the doubts that we have. We don't talk about addiction. We don't talk about any of this stuff. And what ends up happening is all of this stuff compounds over time. And we're all walking around with these wounds and these this confusion about who we are and what our purpose here is on earth. And that begins to manifest itself through addiction and abusing certain substances and anger and frustration and mental health and hurt relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the real work, the stuff that we're talking about in this podcast. And I'm so grateful for these two unconventional leaders, Dominic and Brian, who are willing to go there on today's episode through their work. They are the co-hosts of the Man Amongst Men podcast, which is a forum for high-performing men who are doing inner work around purpose, performance, and their sex lives. Today, we dig into what is inner work, what is spiritual awakening, what is sexual addiction? What's the difference between self-help and spiritual awakening? I really enjoyed this conversation with these two leaders. But before we get started, if you know of anyone, a man in your life who really needs to have this conversation, who's maybe really struggling internally with not just sexual addiction or questions about that, but just who he is as a man and and going to the next level spiritually, emotionally, relationally, all of that. If there's one man that's sticking out in your mind right now who would really benefit from this conversation, or maybe there's a woman who is really struggling to understand the man in her life a little bit better when it comes to these topics, please take a screenshot of this episode and share it with them. We want to impact as many people as we can this year definitely need your help to do that. And if you've been listening for a while, enjoy this episode. Please drop us a review in iTunes. Let us know your thoughts. All right, let's get into this interview with my friends Dominique and Brian from DoInnerWork.com. Hey, my friends, I'm connecting for the very first time with 
two guys who host the Man Amongst Men podcast. We have Dominique Cortuccio and Brian Stacy with us. And I've just been looking so forward to this conversation because, you know, this is called unconventional leadership. And I really wanted to highlight people who are using their voice, making a difference in this world in an unconventional way. And you want to talk about two people who are addressing some topics that a lot of people do not have the courage to address. I mean, it's unconventional through and through are these two. So thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, you're coming from New York and where are you at, Brian, right now? I, I am currently in Raleigh, North Carolina. Very cool. Very cool. How did you two connect? Is this like lifelong friends? Did you knew each other on the <laughs> playground? Like how did you two come together? Yeah, we became friends, I think, Brian, what, four or five years ago through a yeah. mutual friend, right? And we were... You know, we'd end up at the same parties. Uh, there seemed to be a connection. We didn't really do much to explore it. And then I think where our, our relationship really took a turn was about two, a little over two years ago, I was running a men's retreat um, all about designing your future. And Brian had never done inner work or personal development work before, but he said, hey, Dom, this is your first retreat. I'll support you. I'll come up you know, and see what it's about. Didn't really expect to get much out of it. Brian, I'll let you tell more stories. But he was like, it was, it was an eye-opening experience for Brian. And one of the things that I remember you sharing that really stood out to me is you'd never been in front or around a group of men who weren't competing with each other, but supporting one another and collaborating with one another. And that was a real turning point for you. And Brian's just been on a, a rampant inner journey over the past two years. His growth has been extraordinary. Yeah. When I met Dominic five years ago, we had something in common. That is we both worked in corporate. I've been working at Accenture for about 10 or 11 years at that point. He was working at Prudential and that, that's how, how, we, how we met is exactly how he said. Then Dominic decided to take this tragic turn of leaving the corporate life, <laughs> the secure, high paying, high power job to become a coach. Mm-hmm. And internally, now I never expressed this to Dominic at the time, but internally, I was like, oh, that's so sad. You're going to be a coach <laughs> and leaving a really great job. So then, yes, when he said he wanted to do this men's retreat, I was like, man, somebody's got to support this guy and doing what he's doing. <laughs> and little did I know, I had so much to learn. Uh, and that, that men's retreat, and by the way, if you're not someone that has done a men's retreat before or done what we call the inner work, Doing a men's retreat sounds very strange. Yeah. And I felt all those feelings. I was like, Dominic, what is this? What are we going to be doing? He's like, don't worry about it. Just show up. And of course, I had all of these visuals in my head about what a men's retreat is with no alcohol, <laughs> just a bunch of guys, so no women. Like, what do you do in a situation like that? And so it ended up being, as Dominic said, a huge awakening for me. I started to recognize that voice, that terrible voice in the back of my head that was often judging everybody. It was the first time that I met men that weren't competing with each other. And that really kicked off um, both uh, an entrepreneurial and spiritual journey for me. And Dominic and I have been, been doing work ever since. Yeah. You guys said two different words that uh, stuck out to me. You made that use the term inner work and awakening. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I'll, I'll take awakening, Brian, and if you want to uh, hit the inner work part. So I wrote a book a few years ago called Design Your Future. Um, and the, the key term there is stop drifting and start living. And drifting is the state of you think you are in command of your life, that you're making conscious decisions, when in actuality, you're really on autopilot 
right? You're not, you're not actually behind the steering wheel of your car. You're kind of like in the passenger seat or the back seat as your habits and your patterns and your belief systems that have been embedded over a course of life's experiences, uh, what your parents taught you or didn't teach you, the socioeconomic environment you brought. Long story short, drifting is this state that uh, kind of you're meandering through life in this hypnotic rhythm. The way to take back command of your life is you first need an awakening. And I distinguish awakening from awareness in that awakening means you are ready to take action. Mm. Awareness is different. It's like, okay, I'm aware that I may be overweight and I'm aware that if I work out and I eat healthy and I go to bed early, like I, I, I could improve my health, but we know these things and actually don't make a difference and we, we don't change. Uh, and so I'm aware that when I smoke, I could be in harm's way, but like I will still smoke. The awakening part is when a message hits you, when a feeling takes you over so deeply that you're like, I'm no longer willing to do these things the way that I've been doing them and it's time to take action. That's what an awakening is. Fire, dude. Okay, inner work, Brian. What's up with that? Yeah, inner, inner work. So our, our website is doinnerwork.com. So I often get the question, well, what exactly is the inner work? And there's assumptions that come along with that. Like, oh, is meditation the inner work? I say like, that's a way to do inner work. But the inner work is really when we start to look at the, where, where is our focus of control? Is the outside happening to us right? or, or are we happening? Are we happening for us? And so when we start to look at like what the inner work is, uh, we define a man amongst men, one that creates an environment for themselves and others to thrive. But the way we look at it is when we start to identify internally a state of disconnection, a state of maybe it's tiredness, maybe it's feeling stuck. Yeah. It's one of discontent, identifying what that is, naming it out loud sometimes, and then working through that and releasing that. And by releasing that, I mean announcing what it is and letting it go. And that's really the, the core of what inner work is. There's a lot of ways to do it, but that's, that's inner work. You know, I was kind of laughing a little when I was reading Dominic, your, your bio, no offense, that you said you left the corporate world to become an entrepreneur. And I was like, I think that term is not necessarily, it doesn't encompass all that you guys are doing. You're not just building a, uh, a business or a coaching program or holding these retreats. Really, it is this awakening you're trying to bring to our culture and men specifically. And I love that you use the term drifting. I believe I read that in uh, Outwitting the Devil. Yes. First time, Napoleon Hill. Powerful book, guys. Check it out, Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill. But what happened in your life to have this awakening where, you know, y'all are in a corporate scene. Brian's over here feeling bad for Dominic because he's <laughs> on a little cuckoo over here. What, what was that intersection between this kind of living life and drifting along and having this awakening? What happened? Yeah, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you found my, my biography so amusing. I didn't realize how <laughs> hilarious it was. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, to paint the picture, I, I'd been at Prudential Retirement, Prudential Financial, for about 14 years or so. Um, it was a great company to me. I had a corner office in Midtown in New York City. I was running a, a significant sales team that had a $1.4 billion sales goal. As Brian said, um, things were good. And from the outside world looking in, it was, uh, I was living a purpose-driven life from the outside in, an enviable life. And in many respects, like I felt that way. But in my private world, 
the way that I managed my stresses and dealt with my emotions because I'd never learned how to do that. Um, my outlet for that was, was sex, was validation from women, was uh, getting their sexual approval. And the, the, the shortened story is I hit a bottom uh, that, a lot, that, that forced my hand to enter Sex Addicts Anonymous in 2013. And the event that triggered that was I had for the first time in my life finally found love. I think I was 35 years old at the time. Um, a woman entered my life. We started a relationship. I fell in love with her. And yet these behaviors I built up over basically a 20-year period of my life of any time I was stressed out, Anytime I was anxious, anytime I was overwhelmed by like all these things that I'd taken on in my world, my outlet emotionally, because I didn't have meditation, I didn't have yoga, I didn't have people to talk to, I didn't know how to tap into my feelings. The only way I could modulate my emotions was sending sex messages to women, was going online and watching porn. And, and eventually, even when I was in this loving relationship with someone when those moments, the overwhelm, the stress, even if it was triggered by my relationship, the way that I dealt with that was to go to those places. And even though I felt guilt and shame around it, I couldn't stop myself. And, um, and then it culminated in one day where my girlfriend, who was very in tune to it, looked through my cell phone and had seen uh, an exchange of text messages that were as heartbreaking as you could possibly imagine. And to, st and, and to save the relationship, more so than to actually address my own issues to save the relationship. I said, I've got a problem. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to go to Sex Addicts Anonymous. Because uh, on some level, I knew that there was something going on, but it was really more of a, of a Hail Mary to save her. And once I started doing that work, I actually recognized that I belonged in there for me, not, not, not just to save the relationship. And that really I'd already been on a, a path of personal development for about four or five years at that point. That was the major turning point. And in my life, like over the next year or so, I became so much more humble. I had so many awakenings. My whole energy shifted. My humility shifted. My ability to connect with other people shifted. They recognized the difference. And, and the, the feedback that kept coming to me was like, Dominic, what's going on with you? Like, how, what are you doing? I want a piece of that. Because I, no one knew about what was going on in that private world. And that really birthed this idea of, I can make a difference. And I feel called to do this, which is what ultimately allowed me to, uh, to, to step away from the corporate space and to do this deeper uh, purpose-driven mission. It's powerful. How, how would you define sexual addiction, either one of you? So can we define that term? Yeah, I'll hit that because uh, Brian, you know, Brian doesn't have that uh, history or experience. The best way that I could describe it in my, the way that it showed up in my life was I was unable to keep a boundary. I was unable to keep a promise to myself. Mm. So every time I said, I'm going to stop watching porn and it would happen for like a week and then I would watch porn. I'd break that promise. I would say, I'm in a committed relationship. I'm not going to sex message other women. And for a period of time it would work. And then I would trample that line. It was this desire to stop behavior that I kept, um, I kept basically bulldozing through. So an inability to, uh, to, to curb behavior that I wanted to. 
And we see that a lot from men who come to us who say, I'm watching too much porn, I want to stop. Uh, and, and they just keep going and going until it has like real life ramifica- uh, ramifications in their life. Yeah. What I love about what you two are doing is you're really humanizing men. And I know it sounds about sounds strange. We talk a lot about objectifying women, but men have been objectified as well, that they are just these sexual beings who have no emotions and they just go through all these, you know, motions without any, anything going on on the inside of it. They're just kind of hollow. And I know I've been as a woman, that's the message I've gotten about men and been trained about how to interact with men. that They're just this and they're just that. And you guys are saying, Hey, no, we are, we've been ignored. And there's a lot of stuff going on the inside and the way we've learned to cope with it um, is a lot of times unhealthy and you're wanting to bring that to the surface Brian, what's your story? Where, where did this awakening come with you? I know it happened at this retreat randomly. What was yeah. your experience? Well, I think the fun thing about life is there, there's multiple opportunities for awakening over, Word. over the timeline. Word. And I think, you know, 10 years ago, I would have defined sexuality for men the exact same way and me being a man, just my sexuality. And so I grew up in the Midwest in a Christian household and sex for us only came from knowing that we shouldn't do it until until we're married period. <laughs> right that was the only thing that i learned about sex but as i got a little bit older and not that old i got curious mm-hmm. so i saw porn for the first time thought that was interesting had sex for the first time in high school had some guilt and shame around that and then in college found alcohol that could numb all, all these feelings that i had about it and just do it that was a lot of fun and so that's what i did for a period of years and dominic talked about drift earlier and so i was i would say drifting in the sexual world but i think a lot of us actually live or we're doing it but not talking about it. And that was certainly my story. So the routine was go out at night, get drunk, meet someone, have sex, right, and, and move on. And I had girlfriends and went in between there too. And about 10 years ago, that came to a, a screeching halt when I was diagnosed with both testicular cancer and chlamydia. And when I had symptoms of the testicular cancer, it took me about three months before getting in uh, to get checked out because of what you said before, like men are these robots. And this is what I had thought of myself. And a robot means I know exactly what to do. That means in bed, what to say and what not say. So I can't ask any questions. It means that I'm never going to be sick uh, or nothing could possibly be wrong with me. So there's no way I'm going to the hospital or a doctor for something sexually speaking. Are you kidding me? No, thanks. And when I went through this experience, as I was going through chemotherapy, I ended up writing about it because it was cathartic for me. And I wanted to update friends and family about it. And that's the first time in my life when other men started coming to me and asking me questions about, about not just me and my situation, but about theirs, about their sexual health situations. And I said, wow. After I went through this experience, I said, I'm not the only one. There's other guys that feel really, really strange about this. And so I think on the sexual health side, that, that woke me up to starting to ask certain questions. And when you're diagnosed with cancer, you start asking yourself, well, first of all, am I gonna die? Second of all, I'm losing a testicle? I'm attached to that, I'd rather not lose that. (laughs) uh, Can I still have kids? What are women gonna think about me because I have one testicle, I'm a single guy. And so I started to ask all these questions. And so I think that was one of the first awakenings in my life is that, hey, I can ask these questions and that's okay. I can talk about these subjects and that's okay. And then when I met Dominic and we did this retreat together, that was another awakening that that I started to feel. So I think what connects us now is certainly what Dominic went through in his past and his sexual past and my sexual past coming together and saying, we need to talk about this stuff. Yeah, Heather and Heather, just real quickly on that, like Brian and I are the last two people in the world who would have wanted to ever talk about this stuff publicly. Yeah, yeah. Ever. And, and, now, and now we're doing it as a, as a way of living. 
That, that's what I was going to ask you. You said, Brian, people are doing it, just not talking about it. And man, that struck something so deep within me coming from uh, deep religion and the just the cultural context of what you should and shouldn't do and this guilt and this shame where people are still participating and doing some of these behaviors but just not talking about it. And so there's no way to, and I would all of you guys have referred to yourself as the bridge between men who are uncomfortable talking about this stuff and kind of like this deep spiritual work. And you guys are the bridge that connects them in an un, un overwhelming way of like, Hey man, we know that there's stuff going on here. Let's begin this dialogue. Let's talk about it. How, how do you bridge that? Maybe a man listening to this right now who is struggling. He, there's so much going on internally, whether it's sexual or not. And he just, feels so misunderstood right now, but he still has that resistance because he's been brought up <laughs> to believe that this is wrong. Shut up. You don't talk about this. This is, this is weak. This is feminine. This is disgraceful. How, how, how do we even begin this awakening process? <laughs> Brian and I have found that the way that we do that is just by opening our mouths and telling our own stories mm-hmm. and doing it from a place of power. So people can start to see, it's like, whoa, okay, these are two dudes who are out making something of themselves in this world. They seem, they seem, and, and, and I use these, I use air quotes, they seem like normal guys, because to your point, the, the spiritual world can sometimes be off-putting to someone who's just a regular guy, who's, who likes drinking beers, who likes fishing or hunting or watching the games. And it's like, I don't necessarily know if I need to wear like to, to grow my hair out, wear a man bun, put on like beads and sit in the lotus position to, to get this stuff, which is all of the stereotypes I had of someone who was doing inner work or spiritual development. So Brian and I, like we, we, we share our stories. We have some laughs around it. We don't make us too precious. You know, I've, I've done a podcast, Brian did an amazing job interviewing me on this two part series that we did uh, on one of our men amongst men podcasts, where I tell my story about the making of a sex addict. And there's some parts that are really serious. There are parts that are funny and just like in how ludicrous it could be. So by us sharing, um, we've magnetized guys who normally wouldn't talk about it. And we also run a, a live event series here in New York City that we call affectionately the Discerning Dick, mm-hmm. Sexual Wisdom for the Modern Man. And we, we cover topics like porn and um, and masturbation and sexual performance, like these things that guys want to know about but never talk openly about. And through those sharing, then we get the, hey, dude, can I talk to you on the side? And that's where that stuff really starts to unfold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some, something about growing up uh, in, in, in deep religion in the Midwest created an anxiousness in me, which I'm thankful for now because I can feel where all the other guys might be anxious. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, why, why is, like, how, is how much, how much masturbating is too much? I wondered that question back in the day. If I'm doing it two or three times a day, is that weird? Is it unhealthy? Mm-hmm. And so we start talking about these things that I know I, at the very least, had anxiousness about, and that seems to resonate with different guys. Um, you know, how do you talk to a woman about what they want in bed? Oh my God. Like, like I would have never even thought about that before. And so when we start to strike some of these, these cores with guys, they start to perk up and they're like, well, wait a second. So I can do more than just be a robot. I can do more than just, yeah. I come and that's it. There's different levels of this. Wait a second. And so then they be, they get from this anxious place, they get curious. And when they get curious, then they're, they're wide open for what else is out there. And what else is out there for any guys that are listening <laughs> Everything amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you. This is such a heavy question for like 
wrapping up the interview. I could literally talk to y'all for four hours because we haven't even touched the surface of all that you guys cover, which is a huge reason why listeners, you got to check out their podcast, A Man Amongst Men, even if you're a woman, because let's just be real. If you have a man in your life, we all do. We all do. It's going to help you understand so much more and honor the process that they're in and the things that they're struggling with that we just may not understand or have, have, you know, disregarded ourselves. I've enjoyed listening to it, but I wanted to ask you, uh, Dominic, I believe you said that you were in the personal development self-help space for like four or five years before having this awakening. And this is something I've been thinking a lot about personally is to enter into an awakening to kind of really go deeper and address and do some of this inner work that you talked about, Brian, does, do we have to incorporate, is there a spiritual element in that? Where, where does the line between normal self-help, personal development and awakening? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, a couple of things, Heather. So first of all, uh, just to address the, to your, your, your invitation to women to also listen to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Half of our listeners are women. I believe half, that. half of the attendees that come to our events are women because they're like, we want to know what men who are doing the inner work look like. And we also want to know like where we can send the guys who, 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 who are curious and who also need this. So it's please, the women have been to become our, have been our biggest advocates. Well, and uh, let me say one thing too, as a wife, um, I think it's important not to approach, I mean, try a lot of times our, our reflex is anger when we don't understand something. It's like, Oh, well they're dealing with this, 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 I, and, and, and demonize them. Yes, and I yes. think that's a, it's, it's a protective state as us for women. And so it's our responsibility to, to just as we want them to dig into what's going on with us and our officers understand our feelings and our emotions. We have to start acknowledging and respecting y'all's emotions and y'all's feelings too. I just wanted to put that plug in there for all you ladies listening, you wives go ahead, Dominic. Sorry. Yeah, we really appreciate, we really appreciate that Heather. Thank you. So to your question about like, where does spirituality fit in into the personal development journey? I think that's an incredibly personal question that each person has to answer. Um, I, I grew up Catholic, uh, Catholic school for seven years, altar boy, youth group, and a big part of my guilt and shame around my sexual desires, which were very just, were, which were natural, right? Mm-hmm. When I, when, I, when I first started to feel them early on in my teenage years, I immediately thought I was going to hell. I thought it was bad. And so this, like, this beautiful feeling, this, this like, exhilarating feeling, I, I immediately labeled. And over the course of the next few decades, I, I really started to loathe religion's role in, in, in shaping my guilt and my shame and forcing me into secrecy. And then when I got... Uh, when, when I hit my bottom, I, I had a lot of blame towards religion for that. And I've since come to peace with it. It wasn't just religion. It was a piece of it. But I did not want to address spirituality. Um, the only th- the thing that made me do it was when I was in Sex Addicts Anonymous, one of the steps is turning your will over to a higher power. And I remember having extraordinary resistance to that. And my sponsor said to me, Dominic, your higher power can be of your own defining. It does not have to be some, some God that's been handed to you or something that's written about in a Bible or a Quran or whatever. It could just be um, a bigger purpose. You can define that. And I got down with that. 
So recognizing that I even had an opportunity to define what, what's a higher purpose, a higher power beyond just myself, because when I was just focusing on me as the center of the universe, my existence was small and it was lonely and it felt, it, it just felt like there was something bigger waiting, uh, waiting there for me. And I think one of the things that really helped me was recognizing I didn't need to have the answer right away. I just needed to be open. Yeah. And, and that's what led me to a path of Buddhism, which led me to other endeavors. So just, just that permission to define my own level of spirituality has now cracked me open. And, and five years later, I, am, I would consider myself deeply spiritual and it feels fantastic. What about you, Bron? I know you come from same background as me, my friend, Christian, Bible Belt. Well, where, where are you at with all of that? Well, first of all, I love I love doing these podcasts with Dominic because I always learn something new. I di- I didn't know that's where where your your spiritual gathering came from. And it, an important point to to all anybody that's on a self development train or, or thinking about jumping on, uh, and especially guys because guys have some resistance to this. It's when when we do this development and this journey, whether it's spiritual or self development, all on our own, it's slow, shallow, and incomplete. Yeah. And every time I get with Dominic to either prepare for a podcast or a, or a big event or even something like this, I learn something new and my growth accelerates every single time. I freaking love it. So I, just, I wanted to hit that point because that's a story I hadn't heard before mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and an important one. So Heather, thanks for, for asking that question. Uh, for me, my spiritual journey is it is in limbo right now. I'm, I am in a, in a transition phase where what I grew up with and believing in, in Jesus and what Christianity is like. I also have a lot of problems with, um, with, with this idea of there's only one way and you're going to hell if you don't believe in this one way, this one way street. And so right now I'm, I'm, I'm figuring that out. I'm figuring out what that looks like. I'm really looking at some of the teachings of Jesus and, and what those, those actually mean because there feels to be a lot of conflict uh, in, in the Bible with what I've been told versus what it actually says. Uh, I'm also looking at other spiritual guides. Um, and so, and that, that has been, Dominic said something that it's been, it's been fun. I can't say that religion ever before was fun. It felt like an obligation. Yeah. The spirituality feels like freedom to me and the exploration um, has really been a beautiful journey so far. And I'm excited to just be on it. Yeah. Well said, man. I think you just gave a perfect example of, of what, what you guys are addressing in whole is, is being okay with saying, I don't know, but this is just where I'm at right now. <laughs> Uh, you saying that you're in limbo with religion and spirituality, that, that frees me, that frees other people just to admit that they don't know the answer. Because I know a lot of times spirituality, the subject of masculinity, sexuality, we, we feel so much pressure to be black and white and truth and wrong. And this is the way it's supposed to be. And so then we get into this rhythm and routine of just what we've been talking about not talking about anything. Right. <laughs> and right. so thank you for, for being willing to say that. I, I feel the exact same way. Uh, I, I could just talk to y'all and talk to y'all, but I know we're getting close to the end. I have one more final question for you guys, but let us know, who is this podcast for? Yeah, Brian hit this earlier. The, 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 the Man Amongst Men podcast is, we believe a man amongst men creates environments where he and others can thrive, right? This is a person who is willing to fearlessly do the inner work, to step out over his edge and to learn about himself. And then when he gets better, he can bring back the spoils from his hunt and actually raise everyone else up around him, right? So it's not at, his success is not at the expense of others. So the areas that we dive into that often go unaddressed are these 
fearless inventories of our sexual behaviors and our histories and our desires. It's around exploring the deepest rooted insecurities in your life. But it's also primarily, like one of the, the, the places we spend the most time is how to increase your performance in your life, right? Like how do you optimize your morning routine? How do you optimize your evening routine? How do you break free from drift? How do you break your addiction to your cell phone? Like very practical, but also mixed with the deeper existential questions. So the primary audience is any man who is at the beginning or at intermediate stages of his inner journey. And, and then the secondary audience is any woman who is deeply curious about supporting the men in her life, because it's not a woman's obligation to, 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 to push a man on his inner journey, but man, Brian and I have both been deeply influenced. So for the women who feel called to nudge their guys and to put some breadcrumbs out in front of them, um, we, we invite you to listen and, uh, and participate. Yeah. I don't know. That's something Napoleon Hill talks about too, is how powerful the woman is in the man's life to, to speak truth and to influence in the right way, in the right way. Um, I have one more question, but if you don't mind me ask half a question real quick, I I really wanted to ask you guys this because I, unconventional leaders, we are all very mission oriented. We want to impact culture. We have some very deep issues we want to address, but a lot of, you know, that, that encompasses your story. And sometimes it's really hard coming out publicly and saying, Hey, I had a sex addiction. Hey, we talk about performance in bed. Hey, I struggle with what I believe with Christianity coming out publicly and talking about this stuff. That's leadership. We need more people to do that. How did you guys become so bold and be able to do this? Yeah. Brian, you want to give that a go? Yeah. I I think Thank you for setting up the question that way because it makes me feel like a hero, but the reality is it, <laughs> it wasn't ever there. Um, it started off in, in very not altruistic ways. So when I wrote my blog, when I was going through chemotherapy, I didn't do it to raise awareness around testicular cancer. I did it so people would leave me alone. And then I realized because I was, I was working uh, at Accenture, I was in digital strategy, and I realized that there's a better experience that could be had through mobile apps to deal with our sexual health. And so I created the first virtual sexual health clinic called a company called Bean. And I talked to a doctor tested for STDs and then share those results with a partner. And so then I wanted to market that company. I wanted to go really understand my customers. So I started talking about women, about their sexual health and their experience in bed. And so I didn't do that for any altruistic reasons, but I started to learn along the way. And I realized that, that my story of opening up and talking about this stuff gave me so much freedom. Understanding somebody else's perspective gave me a whole other angle on what life could be that I wanted to start sharing that story. And it, and it turns out that it's an interesting story. It's a universal story. It's a human story that a lot of people aren't willing to talk about. So I had these pushes in my life that were not altruistic in nature that helped me realize something. And so that, that's, that's really how I got started. And and Heather, I, I've taken a lot of backlash too for, for whether it's been through family or friends or even work. And so this conversation is not one for the faint of heart, um, but it is something that's universal and important. Yeah. Amen. Very last question. It's going to be a little bit different. Dominic, if you could go back in time to that man who just, his girlfriend opened the phone, saw this stuff, her heart's broken. You don't know what to do. You're going to this group with a lot of resistance, a lot of dissonance between you and them. And you had no idea the journey that was you were about to go on and this awakening you were about to have. You're right there at that brink right before. 
if you go back in time and tell yourself one thing, what would that be? And Brian, same thing with you. You're about to go on this retreat. You're here to support your friend. You have no idea the awakening that's about to happen in your own life. If you're yeah. going to sit with him for one moment and tell him one thing, what would that be? Yeah, Heather, first thing is I really appreciate when you're, when you're tapping into and, and, and generating your next question, you close your eyes. Uh, and and it, like I do that too, Brian and I do that in our men's group sometimes because it helps you to go inward and really connect with like, like the feeling of a question versus just the intellectual part of it. So really just want to call that out. The message I would have given to that Dominic who was very judgmental, um, who was walking into his very first 12-step meeting and felt like it was in, a, in, in like the twilight zone, uh, who was deathly afraid of being discovered going into that place and, um, and then being seen and outed in, you know, because I, I had a standing inside of the financial services community. What I would have done is I would have wrapped my arm around that guy and I would have looked him in the eye and said, brother, you have no idea how amazing life is about to become for you. And, and you are going to have to go through the biggest trials that you've ever faced in your life. And if you believe that fire um, makes iron hot, you know, like it, it's just like sharpening your sword. This is what you're doing over the next few years that will open up every door you've ever imagined and things that you can't consider even at this point, can't even conceive of at this point. Um, you're standing at the precipice of that right now. And I, that's the message I would have given him. Far. Brian, what would you have said to him? Mm -hmm. Ooh, there's so much. There's so many things. You know, I, I think it's going back to what I feel led for me in, in the Midwest, growing up in a religious household, is that there was a very clear right and wrong. There's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. And I would say, like, just leave some opening for not having to know what's right or wrong. Just leave some opening for, for exploration and opening for allowing yourself to feel whatever comes up. I was a master at suppressing any kind of emotion because I couldn't even name it. Jealousy, not okay to be here. You shouldn't be jealous. It's a deadly sin even. You can't feel that. Anger, that's not good. That's not, it's not okay. It's not godlike. So get rid of it. Pretend it's not there. And so that's what I would, I would encourage that Brian to do is like actually allow those feelings to happen, allow those to come up uh, and, and deal with them in a beautiful way because they're not wrong. They're just feelings. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.